Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. And then Psalm 150. The last psalm. Praise to the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would speak to us tonight. Help us to learn more of your character, your excellent greatness and then desire more to praise you. We ask for your Holy Spirit now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to begin a series this evening on music. I thought about doing this as part of the home Bible studies that uh, were going to be having soon, um, but there seem to be a number of problems with trying to do it that way. One of the problems would be that some of the people that um, might want to be in that were already in other groups. Uh, see, I the reason I have thought about doing this is that, is that I desire to inspire a greater use of the various musical and poetic talents God has given us as a group of believers. And uh, so some of the people that might want to be uh, involved in that would already be in other groups. So I thought maybe we'd go ahead and at least begin looking at some of the scriptural things related to music here in our our Wednesday night meetings, and then maybe there will be a time when some of those that are inclined to want to be involved more musically here in uh, our meetings would be able to get together and, and uh, talk through some of these things. But uh, my desire is that perhaps God would help us to do what it says here in Psalm 33, 3, sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. Now, even for those of us that uh, are not extremely talented musically, you know, uh, if we're alive, 
we have a breath. And it says here in this verse we just read, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So you can't get out of it. You know, you can't get away from this <coughs> if you're alive. Um, we can all join in with those that God has gifted musically to sing with thanksgiving in our hearts to the Lord. Uh, I think it's good to remember that true praise, true worship is supernatural. You could say it this way, true worship is a miracle. And uh, any worship, any spiritual singing like uh, we're talking about here or what the Psalms talking are talking about uh, is a true spiritual gift from God. And this, the subject is so vast as far as if you just talk about music in the scriptures, it's hard to know where to begin. Uh, we want to see what the Bible teaches us about music, but like I say, it's it's uh, you could speak for years on the subject. There's so much in the Bible about that. Well, the logical place to start would be to see if we can learn something of the origin of music. Here's a little question to ponder. It might seem simple at first, but it's not that simple. Why does music exist? Why does why why is why do we, uh, people all around the world sing, and Christians all ar around the world sing? They may have different ways of singing, different instruments they use, but there's music associated with worship. Uh, the short answer, of course, is that part of our makeup as creatures being made in the image of God is that we're musical. To be made in the image of God is to be musical in some way or another, um, which, of course, means that God himself is musical. If we're made in the image of God, and that uh, part of that image is, is being uh, reflected in music and um, uh, things related to music, then that means that God is musical. He is, in fact, the master musician. And he's endowed us with this ability to create and appreciate music. It's, I think, I think it probably can be put under the uh, heading of one of those good and perfect gifts that has come down from the Father of Lights. Now, it's been corrupted, we know that, and a lot of the music that we uh, hear every day is not pleasing to the Lord, certainly not anything used to worship God with, but nevertheless, as it came from God initially, it was a good and perfect gift. Um, we, that is humanity, did not come up with this idea of music. God did. It's not just something that, you know, mankind in his so-called evolutionary journey all of a sudden started beating on a log and, oh, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> it wasn't like that. <clears throat> just uh, consider this. 
Scripture tells us music exists outside of the realm of the human race, which, uh, to put it another way, even if there were no human beings, there would still be music. So we can't take credit for this. If there, if there were no human beings, there would still be music. So I want to examine that a little bit. All I'm doing t tonight is just kind of getting a very uh, sketchy foundation to build upon in this area of music and our understanding of it, uh, scriptural understanding of it. So uh, to begin with, there is music on the subhuman level. Below the human level, the subhuman level, there is music. What do I mean? Well, I mean birds sing. That's, I mean, we talk about it all the time. The songbirds. Um, in fact, sometimes we even say if a woman has a beautiful voice, we say she sings like a nightingale. Um, so just even that very simple thing there, the idea of birds singing, we were saying that there's music out there that we don't have anything to do with. Uh, God just made it that way for birds to sing. The Song of Solomon talks about the time of the singing of birds has come. And Zephaniah 2.14 speaks of birds singing in the windows. Well, I'm not going to try to prove scripturally to you that birds sing. You know birds sing. Uh, in fact, I listened to some bird songs today. Of course, all you have to do is go outside and listen a little bit. But I, I uh, got on the Internet and, you know, you can listen. They have a bunch of the different uh, bird songs right there for you to listen to. Amazing. Uh, almost, almost recorded some and brought them tonight, but didn't. Um, so that's just one area. But according to Scripture, subhuman music goes far beyond the birds. So let's, uh, let's look at some examples of that. Uh, Psalm 65. I wrote the number down right. Kind of a scribble here in my notes. Psalm 65, verse 12. The pastures of the wilderness drip, and the hills gird themselves with rejoicing. The meadows are clothed with flocks, and the valleys are covered with grain. They shout for joy, yes, they sing. So we've got uh, pastures in the wilderness, we've got hills, we've got meadows, we've got flocks in the meadows, valleys um, that are shouting for joy, and it says, yes, they sing. Uh, Psalm 98 Verses, uh, well, we'll start with 7. Psalm 98, verse 7. Let the sea roar in all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the, the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. So you've got the rivers and mountains and the sea uh, it talks about them singing together for joy. And then, let's see, let's do one more here. First Chronicles. Chronicles 
1 Chronicles 16, verse 33. Then the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. So the trees of the forest singing for joy. Well, you might say, well, that's just, uh, you know, that's just poetry. That's some kind of uh, poetic license there where uh, the, the psalmist or the writers are just using these expressions to, uh, to uh, bring a point home, but it's not really literal. But I'm wondering, really, if maybe we're missing it, if we take that as just purely poetic expression. Um, I wanted to read you uh, some thoughts from a man named Grantley Morris who wrote on this. He said, Perhaps we would miss something significant if we dismiss all of this as poetic expressions that tell us nothing about the subhuman creation. The link between human music and the sounds of even inanimate creation might be stronger than we think. Behind the design of the wind trees and animals is the same person who created man with the ability to produce music. If flowers were planted to spell out an Arabic word, we could easily miss the significance. We would not recognize the language, and since the flowers are mindless, we might assume the arrangement was simply random. We would see things in an entirely different light, however, if the gardener, the intelligence behind the design, explained them to us. Similarly, creation would take on a whole new meaning if God revealed that what we have mistaken for mindless sounds is a symphony of praise orchestrated by the one who sustains them. There may be a lot more music going on than what we realize in nature, you see. Uh, Perhaps we suffer from a narrow musical appreciation, snobbishly rejecting forms of musical expression other than our own, and so failing to recognize the musical qualities of nature's sounds. Um, I'm just trying to expand our thinking here a little bit, and I I think that it's possible that we miss most of the melodies that God puts in the cosmos. We're just not listening for them. We're not tuned to it. Now, I, I think... When God works in our hearts, usually in special times of revival or personal revival, sometimes we begin to see and hear a little more of those melodies that are there all around us. You know, the one songwriter, you know, we sing a song where it says, The birds with gladder songs o'erflow when, when God comes in a special way. Let me just read a couple of accounts here. Um, one from D.L. Moody and the other from uh, Peter Cartwright. First of all, D.L. Moody. On the first morning after his conversion, it seemed to D.L. Moody that the birds were all singing a song to him. You do not know, he later marveled, I fell in love with the birds. I had never cared for them before. It seemed to me that I was in love with all creation. But just he just heard the birds sing in a special, in a new way that he never heard before uh, when he was converted. And then there's this Methodist preacher, Peter Cartwright. 
describes a similar experience. Uh, in the midst of a solemn struggle of soul, an impression was made on my mind as though a voice said to me, Thy sins are forgiven thee. Divine light flashed all around me. Unspeakable joy sprang up in my soul. I rose to my feet, opened my eyes, and it really seemed as if I was in heaven. The trees, the leaves on them, and everything seemed, and I really thought they were praising God. Just, he just said everything was praising God because uh, of what God had done in his heart. The, uh, the English writer Thomas Carlyle said, See deep enough and you see musically. If you see deep enough, you're going to see music, you see. The heart of nature being everywhere music, if you can really reach it. The heart of nature being everywhere music, if you can only reach it. So, um, again, you know, we sing that song, um, This is my father's world. And to my listening ears, all nature sings, and round me rings the music of the spheres. All nature sings, and round me rings the music of the spheres. The, the babbling brook, the breeze in the trees, the wind in the, through the mountains, the, the whippoorwill in the field, there's music there, you see, um, that... Uh, that's praising God. It's there for the praise of God. And God uh, hears those things and appreciates the harmonies, the music that's there. All nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. Now that little phrase, the music of the spheres, is an interesting phrase. It actually came uh, not from a Christian writer that like wrote that song, it had been around a long time. In fact, you can trace it clear back to the ancient Greek philosophers um, called the Pythagoreans. They saw music as essentially mathematical. And the Greek philosopher Pythagoras spoke of the music of the spheres. That's where it came from, clear back in the time of the Greeks. Uh, a celestial harmony which he saw all around him, even in how music sounds are made. Now, I want to read you something here, and I, uh, I don't want to get too uh, oh, abstract here. I don't, re I don't think it is. I think this is worth going into, even though we can't uh, spend too much time on it. Pythagoras discovered that the pitch of a musical note depends upon the length of the string which produces it. This allowed him to correlate the intervals of the musical scale with simple numerical ratios. When a musician plays a string stopped exactly halfway along its length, an octave is produced. The octave has the same quality of sound as the note produced by the unstopped string, but as it vibrates at twice the frequency, it is heard at a higher pitch. The mathematical relationship between the keynote and its octave is expressed as a frequency ratio of one to two. In every type of musical scale, the notes progress in a series of intervals from a keynote to an octave above or below. Notes separated by intervals of a perfect uh, fifth, a ratio of two to three, and a perfect fourth, three to four, 
have always been the most important uh, consonances in Western music. In recognizing these ratios, Pythagoras had discovered the musical basis of, or the mathematical basis of musical harmony. That's the point I wanted to get to. Pythagoras discovered the mathematical basis of musical harmony. But the Pythagoras also recognized that the musical octave is the simplest and most profound expression of the relationship between spirit and matter. <clears throat> At least that was his way of putting it. The miracle of the octave, as he called it, uh, is that it divides wholeness into two relations, uh, into two audible, distinct, audibly distinguishable parts, yet remains recognizable as the same musical note. The Pythagoreans believed that earthly music was no more than a faint echo of the universal harmony of the spheres. Well, that probably was a little hard to follow. But the point is, is that music is mathematical, and Pythagoras realized that. And, he's, and you know, if you think about that, that's incredible. That's amazing. The way God has designed the whole universe is mathematical, and it's musical. <clears throat> Centuries later, both Copernicus and Kepler continued to emphasize the music of the spheres in their understanding of the movement of the planets. So this was clear back to the Greeks, and even when, when uh, astronomers like Copernicus and Kepler rejected a lot of the Greek thinking related to how the universe, uh, the motion of the universe, they still retained the idea of the music of the spheres. Let me read uh, just uh, another quote here. I, I, I know these are a little bit hard, hard to follow, but um, maybe you'll get something out of them. They're good if, if you could read them and you didn't have me read them to you. This vision of the music of the spheres is based upon the hard facts of astronomical measurement. The astronomer Fred Hoyle agrees that the correspondence between musical ratios and planetary velocity, velocities, as described by Kepler, is frightening, frighteningly, frighteningly good. <laughs> so, that's a hard word to say. Frighteningly good. The Kepler scholar, Francis Warren, extended Kepler's research and found that the angular velocities of Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto which were unknown during Kepler's lifetime, also correspond to the harmonic ratios. The music of the spheres is more than a beautiful poetic intuition. The dynamics of the solar system, first laid bare by Kepler's mathematical genius, are directly analogous to the laws of musical harmony. It's amazing. Even the, the motion of the planets has has to do with the harmony, the, the music of the spheres, as, as Pythagoras put it. Uh, well, if you want to read, uh, read more on that and read it better than I read it to you, uh, just type in Johannes Kepler and the music of the spheres on the Internet. There's some amazing things there. Uh, so all around us we see and hear testimonies of a creation orchestrated by God.
uh, one verse that might come to mind along, along this line of the music of the spheres is Job 38.7, which speaks of a time when the morning stars sang together. But I don't think that that verse actually is talking about the planets or the stars. Uh, I think that the verse is actually speaking of another source of non-human music, and that is angelic. I think that's what's being spoken of there is when the morning stars sang together. Uh, because we've been talking about kind of a subhuman level of music. This would be kind of a superhuman. You have the angelic music, uh, which is certainly, uh, I would say certainly the angelic musical gifts would exceed ours, uh, at least at the present time. Why would I say that? Well, first of all, they're sinless. I mean, you get a sinless uh, angel making music. I think you're going to do a better job than sinful man. Uh, not only that, they're unaffected by aging. No arthritis or anything is going to set in to slow them down. Since they were created, they've been worshiping God musically, so I'm sure they're getting very good at it. <laughs> a long time. A long time to be doing this. Lots of time to practice. Uh, so what are some exa examples of this angelic music? Well, just a couple here. Revelation chapter 5. Uh, verse 8. These uh, four living creatures are certainly some type of angelic beings. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, which would be people, fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. So here you have uh, men and angels joining together with harps. Each one has a harp, and they're singing a new song. So you have men and angels with harps and singing. Uh, you also see a number of times where trumpets are associated with angels. Um, we'll just look at one, Revelation chapter 8 uh, and verse <clears throat> 6. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. So um, you have angels being depicted for us in the scriptures as being musical, various instruments, and singing. Uh, probably the example that we're most familiar with, although you can't say for sure that it was singing, but most commentators take it to be this way, would be the account of the angels that came to the shepherds when Christ was born. Luke chapter 2 And verse 14, well, uh, verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. <clears throat> so, like I say, most commentators take that as the angels singing this 
glory to God in the highest. Well, the point of all this is that music is not something humans came up with. Uh, there's plenty of music even if humans weren't on the scene. Uh, here's a quote by a man, a famous composer, uh, named Igor Stravinsky. And I don't think he was a Christian, but I thought the quote was interesting. Uh, speaking of his musical com uh, compositions, he said, Only God can create. I make music from music. Only God can create. I make music from music. And the mu where you, you can trace the music back far enough, you come to God. <clears throat> Ultimately, God is the songwriter. And that's true both in uh, general revelation, like we've been looking at in nature, the birds, for instance, and in special revelation. He's the one who put the songs in the Bible. They're his songs. If they weren't, they wouldn't be in the Bible. Um, scattered throughout the scriptures are more than 160 songs, uh, not, not just the Psalms, you know, that we normally think about, but there's songs all the way through the Bible. Uh, you find them uh, in Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Judges, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Habakkuk, Book of Revelation. There's songs all, all through the scriptures. Um, and especially in the Psalms, we know that God initially, anyway, meant those to be sung. Now, we just, uh, we read them. But the Jewish people didn't read them. They sang them. They were meant to be sung. Uh, at least initially, we, uh, some time back, we just made a, a little uh, effort to look at some of these, these uh, instructions for the Psalms that, that we usually don't read, but they are actually part of the Scripture. Let's just turn to Psalm 54. <clears throat> we'll just look at a couple of them here. Um, Psalm 54. Before we start, you know, normally we just start reading, Save me, O God, by thy name. But actually, those words right above that, not the ones in italics if you have a Bible like mine, but those words where it says, For the choir director on stringed instruments, a miscal of David. <clears throat> That's part of the scriptures. It's saying that this, this song was... Uh, you know, for the choir director is to be accompanied with string instruments. And some of this, some of these notations, <clears throat> we don't know for sure what they mean. A miscal of David. Uh, 55, for the choir director on stringed instruments. And it says very similar. If you just go through these, 56, uh, for the choir director, uh, according to Jonathan, and then things I don't even know how to pronounce. Uh, and, we, and they don't know what they mean. But they were instructions related to how this song was to be uh, presented. Now, I think it is significant that God has seen fit for us to lose the meaning of these musical notations. <clears throat> um, I think he had a reason for that, uh, probably uh, it had to do with the fact that his words were 
which were intended for all cultures and all languages could hardly be expected to fit into one form of musical expression which the Jewish people had at that time. I mean, his words are for all time, every culture, every situation. And um, if they were just linked into one musical form, I think that, uh, I think that would probably have not uh, lent itself to the, the idea of, the, of these things being for all people of all times. You know, um, the Koran, you hear it chanted a lot by the Muslim people. Uh, but supposedly, the only person that can really do that and really understand the Koran is a person that um, speaks Arabic. Anybody else, you're just out of it. Well, see how limiting that is to that, that particular culture? But God, God didn't want his word limited to any particular culture or time or setting. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why he didn't see fit for us to even know what some of these uh, musical notations, <coughs> um, what they mean. God likes variety and creativity in musical expression. Didn't lock us into just the Jewish forms that were current three or four thousand years ago. Well, uh, let me just say here uh, that, uh, this we're not going to get very far tonight, but I did want to just make mention that we have a singing God. The Father, we're told in Zephaniah 3.17 rejoices over you with singing. At least that's the way it's translated in the King James. Uh, Zephaniah 3.17 He will rejoice over you with singing. Uh, Sam Storms wrote a, a book called The Singing God. And the idea there was that God joys over his children even to the extent that he sings as he thinks about us. That's amazing, but you know what? That's what happened when the prodigal returned home. It says there was singing and dancing in the father's house uh, when that prodigal returned home. So the father sings, the son sings. Matthew 26, uh, verse 3, Jesus sang with his disciples there at the time of the Last Supper, right before they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. He sang. They sang together. Amazing. Uh, and maybe an even more amazing verse is in Hebrews chapter 2. <clears throat> Let's turn to this one. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. Which is actually, this is a quote from Psalm 22, which is a messianic psalm. And in the midst of that, Psalm, it says this, I will proclaim thy name to my brother. And this is, this is the Messiah, Christ speaking. I will proclaim thy name, that is the Father's name, to my brother, and that is to God's people. In the midst of the congregation or, or the church, in the midst of the church, I will sing thy praise. I, that is Christ speaking, I will sing thy praise in the midst of the church. Uh, 
in the midst of God's people, Christ himself sings praise to the Father. You might say it this way, every time God's people gathers together, Christ is singing. Christ is singing today. <clears throat> and then, so you have the Father singing, the Son singing, and then the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 Uh, verse 18, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. So there you have the, the Holy Spirit bringing forth psalms and hymns and spiritual songs uh, from God's people. So our... God is a singing God. He inhabits the praises of his people. He is the master musician. Music is part of the very nature of God. Um, again, this man, Grantley Morris, who I took a number of these thoughts from, put it this way. Music is the whole of creation following in its, father, in its father's footsteps. Creation is singing because... God is singing. Um, now, a lot of creation has gone off track in its singing because it's fallen. Uh, mo uh, probably the majority of music is uh, music that uh, comes from those who are in rebellion against God. But that doesn't deny the fact that, that the music that... God has initiated on this earth comes uh, from him and is to come back to him in the form of praise and worship. Well, we can sing and play music to God because he himself is the source of music. So that's that's just a kind of a beginning uh, introduction to this area that I hope to spend some more time on in the future. The subject subject of music. Any uh, questions or thoughts? Again, uh, let me just say what I'm trying to do is. Uh, the, uh, my desire is to inspire a greater use of the various musical and poetic talents that God has given us as a group of his people seeking to worship him. Um, I, re I really feel like um, we need to ask God to help us as a, a body of believers that uh, the gifts that are here would be used. Uh, it's uh, something that, you know, if God has given you a gift in that area, and we're not, you know, we're not necessarily... Sometimes I think we have to realize that, uh, yeah, we may not... Uh, be suitable for Carnegie Hall, 
But that doesn't matter to God. What matters is that we use the, th- the talents and gifts that God has given us. Um, that will glorify Him. And um, if we don't, um, then we, in some way, we're being negligent. Um, and not only um, is there not the worship that there should be, I mean, um, God's people are being deprived also. So, again, it's, it's an exhortation. That's what I want these times to be, uh, to just consider more of what God would have for us in this realm of music. God, I mean, it's, it's, it's a blessing, uh, the, the uh, talents that God has given us and that are, are being used at the present time. I'm, I'm very thankful for uh, some of the uh, people that have begun to share more uh, on some, some of the Sundays. I think it's been a real blessing, and uh, I'm just wanting to encourage that more. So, anyway, any anything anyone has here before I get down? Well, be uh, be listening for maybe a little bo- a bit more of the music of the spheres as you're walking through uh, life these days. God's put music all around us, uh, even in the, on the subhuman level. Actually, you know, I didn't go into this, but we're talking about the, the superhuman level, the a- angelic uh, music. There's lots of accounts throughout church history of people hearing that, not just the shepherds there uh, when Christ was born, but um, in times of revival... Uh, in, in, in special times when God is moving, uh, there's uh, some amazing accounts. I might, maybe I'll find a few of those and read them. Uh, of people actually hearing the angels sing. Uh, I don't know if we'll have that, but I know, I know we can hear more from uh, the talents that God has given us here as a body. All right. I'll get down.